You're listening to The Chopping Block, a weekly podcast from City Life Church, where we have short, informal conversations about the Bible and the meaning it has for our lives. If you didn't get the chance to catch last week's sermon, I'd recommend going back and giving it a listen so that you can pick up with us where the sermon left off. All right, City Life Church, welcome back to The Chopping Block. It is Tuesday afternoon. Because we just celebrated Labor Day. I guess we always record on Tuesdays, but we're recording in the afternoon because we just celebrated Labor Day. <laughs> What'd you do on Labor Day, Pastor Andy? Uh, a family from the church had us over for a swim party. So we enjoyed some burgers and dogs. And man, it was hot again yesterday. I'm so ready for fall weather. But Me too. It's yes- coming. Yesterday was really nice. Uh, spent some time with... With the Turners and uh, boys and I went and hit some golf balls at the range. That's uh, great. Yeah. Enjoyed the day. That's great. Well, I had a fantasy football draft with some guys from the church. So shout out to Cooper Nichols for opening his home. And uh, Thanks for the invite, Cooper. Thank if you. you don't think that that's purposeful, there was real fellowship that happened. Whether fantasy football is... Is is worthwhile or not? Ultimately, there was some there was some fun had. Don't waste your life. <laughs> well, we hope you had a great Labor Day weekend, uh, and uh, we're excited to jump back into the chopping block and our series in First Peter. We only have a few weeks left. We have this last week you preached First Peter four verses thirty two through thirty two. I'm sorry, verses twelve, 12 through nineteen through nineteen, which really was on suffering again, and we'll get that to the get to that in just a moment this next week's going to be on elders and then we're going to conclude really talking about the fact that we have an adversary the devil um, so this last sunday we were back in the theme of suffering and feels like we've talked about that a lot in this book this letter sorry my wife was texting me while you were talking <laughs> I was telling her that we were recording the talking block yeah i i think that's one of the things that uh, I felt, I felt as I prepared for this Sunday was like, man, we're here again. And, and Peter's actually going to mention it again. Um, as he closes the letter, when he says, uh, the God of all grace who called you into his eternal glory in Christ will himself restore, establish, strengthen, and support you after you have suffered a little while. I mean, it's just, it's one of those themes that just runs through the entire book that you can't really get away from. But I think I struggled as I was working on preparing this sermon, just like, man, we're here again. What do I do with this? And um, I think especially because of our cultural context, um, there was some distance between, I think, what was felt by these first century believers and what Peter was really addressing as this felt and pertinent issue and kind of where we are. Um, So to try to enter into the world of the Bible and then bring that, bring that to us, I think presented a unique challenge this week for me. Yeah. Um, ultimately I think good um, and healthy for me to wrestle through, but yeah, some, every sermon is different and some sermons are harder to develop than others. And this one was one that I wrestled with for a while. Well, I think it was meaningful. I talked to several people after the service that, that just the services whole and the sermon were really meaningful to them. So I think, I think while there is distance, once we sit or situate ourselves in the text and and really allow the text to speak to us, we can see the story that we're invited into, and and we can see how 
this relates to our lives, whether maybe suffering doesn't, isn't necessarily the, the first thing we think of when we think of walking out our faith. I think one of the challenges is maybe we shouldn't feel as much distance as we right, do right. from this text. I mean, that's just reality. And so that's some of what I felt called to, to convey, um, certainly preaching to myself on Sunday, but yeah, just that maybe there's too much distance between us and the world of these Asia minor believers. Yeah. So, I mean, maybe we start there. I think before we jump into the text, you kind of introed by saying that there is a way of doing Christianity that says that if I follow Jesus, in general, my life is going to be comfortable, secure, safe, uh, healthy, and most likely wealthy, and that those things come or are part of following Jesus. And essentially, what you were you're pitting that view up against this text and the truth that Peter is is uh, developing here in this text. So, you know that way of doing Christianity, which says following Jesus is going to lead me to a happy life, mm. happy in a very, very worldly sense. Why is that so dangerous when it comes to what we actually see in the scriptures? I mean, the irony, of course, right, is that at the center of our faith is Jesus the crucified, mm-hmm. right? And so, you know, I, I think I quoted it, but in, in Luke's gospel, Jesus says, a servant is not greater than his master. If they persecuted me, they'll also persecute you. Jesus is assurance to the believers as he's preparing them for his departure and the Holy Spirit's coming is, you know, in the world, you're going to have tribulation. Mm-hmm. So he doesn't promise us a life free of, of trial. I mean, that next phrase is so key, but take heart of overcome the world. Like I'm doing something greater than giving you a, a get out of suffering free card. Um, ultimately he is taking us there. And that's maybe the biggest problem with the prosperity gospel or the health and wealth gospel um, that you're referring to is it's fancy phrase here, but like it's an over-realized eschatology. And Mm. what I mean by that is they're promising you heaven now. That's right. They're saying you can have heaven now. Well, there is a day coming, right? Revelation 21, right? Where there will be no more pain, no more crying, no more tears, because Jesus has made all things new, right? That day is coming. And so it's not that the prosperity gospel is completely wrong in their desire for a healthy, victorious life. It's just that it's over-realized now mm. um, because we live in the already and the not yet. Yeah. Um, and so we live in a time period where Jesus has come and initiated the kingdom. Yeah where salvation is is present and can be experienced in Jesus. And, and he begins to save us, not only from the penalty of sin, but from the power of sin in our lives. And he is, you know, in his earthly ministries, working miracles and casting out demons and, and, and bringing healing to the sips. These are glimpses of the kingdom that's going to come in fullness someday. Yeah. Um, but we don't get to experience the fullness of that immediately. Um, and so we still live in a broken world and in a, in a system that's fallen and, and therefore pain and suffering is a part of this life. And, and you just can't get away from that. I mean, it's, it's replete throughout the new Testament, right. 
that believers are going to endure various trials. I mean, James talks about it. Um, Peter comes back to it over and over and over again. Paul says that we will reign with him provided we suffer with him. And even like you think about Jesus' teaching in the Sermon on the Mount. Way in, yeah. Blessed are those who you know, are persecuted for righteousness sake. And then he says a, a verse later, for my sake. Yeah. For theirs is the kingdom of heaven. For theirs is the kingdom. The, the kingdom belongs to those who suffer with Christ. Right. Um, and so it's dangerous because it's really appealing to say that you can believe in Jesus and he's going to make all of your problems go away. Yeah, well, and I think that explanation is really, really helpful because it's also dangerous. You know, verse 12, dear friends, don't be surprised when the fiery ordeal comes among you to test you as if something unusual were happening to you. Peter's saying, hey, this is going to happen. So don't be surprised. Don't be caught off guard. And if you're believing, you know, the health and wealth gospel, you will be caught off guard. Right. Right. You, you will go, either I don't have enough faith or I I haven't I haven't been the right kind of Christian or the the right type of Christian to where God would not allow this to happen to me. I mean, I think that's the really despicable thing about it. Mm-hmm. And I'll use that word mm-hmm. um, is because it weaponizes your faith against you. Mm-hmm. And it says, well, if you have enough faith, then you will overcome. If you have enough faith, then you will be healthy. If you have enough faith, you will, you will be wealthy, right? God, God wants to bless you. And, and what activates his blessing is, is your faith. And so if you're not experiencing those things, right, then the problem is you just don't have enough faith. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's so deplorable, mm-hmm. right? Because the new, like the whole Bible, it never teaches that it's the quantity or the quality of our faith that matters. It teaches us that it's the object of our faith that right. matters. Um, but also like just read the Bible. I mean, at a very cursory level, read the Bible and ask yourself, uh, how many, how many of God's pilgrims, how many of God's saints, his children didn't endure any sort of trial or tribulation or suffering? Very few. I mean, it's just story after story of a journey with God where he's working in our suffering and in our trials. Mm-hmm. to refine us and to make us more like Jesus. Rarely is it that, man, they're just immediately right. free from it all. Right. You know, it just it just doesn't accord with Scripture. It weaponizes your faith against you. Yeah. It's just, it's a terrible, it's a terrible false gospel. Yeah. And if you have more questions about that, we would love to talk with you more. Um, but I think that's a really helpful transition uh, to kind of your main theme or, or kind of the central idea of, of the text was that suffering is a part of the Christian program. It's a, it's a normal, it's a part of normal Christianity mm-hmm. and we can face it because we can know that God's working in our suffering, that Christ is with us in our suffering and that ultimately God is worthy of our trust. Yeah. And so we can rest even in the midst of suffering. So, for the person that hears that you know, suffering is 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 a part of the Christian program, maybe why? <laughs> why is 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 that a part of you know t- 
So the person goes, well, why does God use suffering to make, couldn't he, couldn't he have make, make us more like him in another way? <laughs> couldn't he? 100%. You know, I mean, part of this is like in the wisdom of God. Right. Suffering is, suffering is an integral part of the program. Um, in the wisdom of God, it was suffering that led to our salvation. Mm, that's good. You know, and so like, I think we do wrestle, like, why did he choose it this way? But it's also the way that he chose to save us. It was by atonement. It was by sacrifice. Yeah. It was by suffering um, that that we were redeemed. And so in the same way, God invites us into the cruciform life. Uh, uh-huh. You know, Jesus says, if any man would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. Um so, you know, I mean, yeah, I, I get the question, right. but um, we just have to trust God's wisdom here. Mm-hmm. And suffering uniquely, you know, invites us into intimacy with right. Jesus. That's good. Um, and there is this real opportunity to to profess with our lives that we really believe that Jesus is worth it, that he is who he says he is mm-hmm. um, in suffering. Nothing, nothing else like suffering can demonstrate that. Mm-hmm at the, at the street level, you know, you can say it all you want. I love Jesus. You know, he's my King. He's my treasure. It's, it's in, it's in affliction that our lives demonstrate that, that the proof is in the pudding, so to speak. Um, and I think the Lord uses that. Yeah. And, and, you know, thinking of like the upside down realities of the kingdom, Looking at verse 14, if you're ridiculed for the name of Christ, you are blessed. <laughs> That's just, that in itself is a totally foreign statement for us because the spirit of glory and of God rests on you. And you kind of made the statement that God's manifest presence, special presence, rests on us. Like, like you made the comment, we can feel an intimacy, we can experience an intimacy with God unlike any other time when we are facing this kind of suffering. Like, again, this is just a, wait, it's actually in my suffering that I am nearest to Christ? And that's an upside-down idea for us, again, that distance piece. There's some mystery, I mean, mysticism even in that statement and that idea, but I just, I, I can't get away from it. I think it's true um, that it's, you know, Paul would even use this language of filling up what is lacking in the afflictions of Christ, which is almost, it almost sounds blasphemous. Right. Like what could be added to the sufferings of Christ? Um, in one sense, nothing, right? Right. But I think what he means there is like what's lacking is the demonstration for a people who have never seen and heard the gospel before. Mm-hmm. And so as Paul suffers for the gospel, he is demonstrating to a people who are experiencing the gospel for the first time, who Jesus is and, and, and how worthy he is of our lives and the goodness of, of the message of the gospel. That's what he's filling up in his afflictions. And, and so God works uniquely through our suffering, but I think he's uniquely near in our sufferings that we experience him in a way that we can't otherwise experience him when we share in, in his afflictions, when we suffer. Yeah. It's good news. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, it's totally paradoxical. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But you are never closer to Jesus 
than when you're suffering for his name. So we're talking about if you're ridiculed for the name of Christ. So you kind of made a statement in your sermon essentially saying if you know, if you're not or haven't experienced suffering for Christ's sake, then you need to evaluate your life or take inventory of your life. So, so, so two questions. One, what do we mean by suffering? Like, are we talking about a, a general suffering? Because we, a lot of us face suffering in all kinds of ways in this life. It's just a fallen world, right? So what do we, what do we mean by suffering? And two, are you saying that if we have not experienced this kind of persecution for our faith, for our allegiance to Christ, that, that potentially we're not living a faithful life with Christ? Yeah, great question. I think certainly God is sovereign over all of our suffering. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, he's even sovereign over, you know, Peter here says, you know, don't let none of you suffer as a murderer or an evildoer or even a meddler. Right. Um, so God's sovereign even over that. Mm-hmm. Um, he can work even in our folly um, and redeem that. But Peter's saying, man, don't suffer for stupidity, right? Um there's also the suffering that comes just by being a participant in a fallen world. Right. You know, so cancer is suffering. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, illness is suffering. Calamity is suffering. God works in that. Um, I don't think there's any such thing as, as wasted suffering for the believer. God is working in all of that. I think specifically here, Peter is dealing with suffering that comes as a result of being a Christian. Right. You know, it's the suffering uh, of persecution that that Peter is narrowly dealing with here. And what I'm not trying to say is that you're more of a Christian right? to the extent that you suffer. I think what I am trying to say is that Americans aren't exempt from this. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think it's easy for ourselves to try to distance ourselves from this because of our cultural context. And to go, well, yeah, it's just different for us because we live in a quote-unquote Christian nation or at least a, a, a nation that's open to, you know, Judeo-Christian moral principles or, you know, that sort of a line of a thinking. And it's easy to go, it's just different for us. And and part of what I'm trying to push back a little bit on is to say, no, I don't ultimately think it is. And so to your question of like, what are we talking about here? I think it could be a myriad of things. It could be criticism. I mean, part of what Peter is dealing with here, he's, you know, the, the systematized persecution that came um, shortly after the letter of first Peter was written, um, where, where Christians are getting killed is not what Peter's talking about here. Primarily. Right. He's talking about ridicule. He's talking about criticism. He's talking about social being socially ostracized. People would find out that these Asia Minor uh, believers were, were followers of Jesus, and they would cut them off from business deals. Mm-hmm. They wouldn't they wouldn't sell things to them in the market. They wouldn't welcome them into their homes. You think about how important hospitality was in the first century, and they would be, you know, cut off from fellowship. Yeah, I mean that's the sort of thing that we're talking about here. It it cost them in some real ways, and it was hurtful in some real ways. And I think what I'm saying is that there's a cost to following Jesus no matter what century you live in or what context you live in, and that if we're not experiencing that at any level, if we've never felt that at any point, 
I do think that there's reason to take a step back and to evaluate our lives and ask ourselves, have I blended in too much? Right. Um, is my faith manifesting itself out? Um, because at some point, I think the testimony of the New Testament is that it's going to cost you. Yeah, and I think that the reason we want to call this out specifically in our American context, and, it, and there, are, there are corners of America where it's harder to be a Christian 100%. than it is in Wichita, Kansas, if we're honest. And, and then it is where I grew up in, in Van Buren, Arkansas, right? Like, so what we're saying is maybe even in our context, it's, it's possible to live in such a way that we think we're being, that we're living as a Christian, but not actually living distinctly Christian lives. Right. Not living as exiles, as Peter calls and his I think writers. The counterpoint here, I tried to go in a little bit in my sermon, which is we're not called to be meddlers. Right. You know, Peter says, don't suffer as a meddler, um, which in my mind is being overly in your face toward others uh, about your faith in Jesus, being unnecessarily provocative, um, picking fights, being forceful, like being distasteful and proselytizing, uh, that's not at all what I'm talking about here. Yeah. I'm just talking about faithfully following Jesus in the everyday. To really follow Jesus in every way is going to be countercultural, even in Wichita, Kansas in 2023. Uh-huh. I mean, there are going to be things that just really rub against the, the culture right. and it's going to be an agitator. It's going to stir some stuff up. And you're not doing that on purpose. Other than you're just saying, man, I'm just trying to follow Jesus. Yeah. I'm trying to love Jesus. Um, at some point, there's going to be a rub um, if you're really living for Christ. Um, and if you're never experiencing that, I just think, I think, I think the big point is you should, you should evaluate your life. And if we're honest, sometimes the reason why we have not yet experienced that, and Brett Wiley can say this wholeheartedly, is because when we are approaching an opportunity, to face the fiery ordeal, we capitulate because we're fearful of what that reaction might be. Right. Whether it's talking about truth in some aspect, whether it's uh, talking about in our, you know, I feel like politics right now is so polarized, right, that that your allegiance falls on one side. There's so many things in our society where you could be in a conversation, have a chance to, to make a distinctly Christian, you know, winsomely and gently right. uh, statement, but we capitulate to either silence or, or maybe assimilation because we're fearful of what that reaction might be. Well, or, or we, and this is subtle, but like niceness is not a fruit of the spirit. Right. You know, and a kindness is, and gentleness is, right? So those flavor the way that we live out truth. But niceness is not a fruit of the Spirit. Except being accepted is not a fruit of the Spirit. And sometimes we can fool ourselves and, and think, well, the goal of my Christian living is for people to think that I'm nice and for them to accept me. Yeah. And that's just not the ultimate goal. Now, if we're walking around just offending people left and right, there's reason to evaluate that as well. Right. Um, but we should be gentle and also, like, faithful. Yeah. 
we should be kind and also faithful. Yeah. Um, but I think why your your sermon's so meaningful to me, kind of going back to that previous thought, is I'm a people pleaser. And when I'm in that conversation or in that moment, I can go like silence is the best. I, I probably wouldn't assimilate most mostly, but I might s- stay silent. That's the best policy for me because I take like the don't meddle piece or something. I take that so far. I pendulum swing that so far. Like, well, I just don't want to be a meddler, so I'm not going to say anything Yep. or I'm not going to speak up here when something's obviously wrong or in unjust or whatever it might be. Right. Um, but, but, but the word here in Peter, first Peter is like, first of all, the fire deal is going to come. Don't be surprised. And second of all, God's working in that, even right. in your rejection. Right. Even in that harsh, maybe that insult that you receive. It Christ will be near in that. Christ is not only near in that, but like he's using you with that person or with that group in that. The way that you respond to that right. matters immensely. I mean, I think about this even from the church level. There are entire churches who would actually um, align with the, the Bible, you know, on a particular issue, you know, but they're just not going to talk about it. Right. They're just not going to bring it up. I think I'm, I'm tempted to that. Like, Me because too. that caters. Yeah. Um, and I think one of the, one of the, one of the reasons why I think preaching through books of the Bible is actually a discipline that's healthy for us is it forces us into some of these harder conversations sure. and it forces us to really think through how to be a church that's faithful to truth, but doing so in a loving, gentle way way that speaking the truth in love is what builds us up in every way into Christ who is the head to use Ephesians four language. Um, and so I'm really, I'm really convicted that man, we're going to walk, continue to walk through books of the Bible because it forces us. It forces us to deal with the whole counsel of God. Right. And ultimately we just want to be faithful to Jesus. Yep. And we want to follow him and all and the everyday stuff of life, which if you choose to really follow Jesus in the everyday stuff of life, at some point you're going to come to a place of being ridiculed for your faith or a place of facing suffering. And, and, and here, and the good news to walk with today is this, that when that moment comes and that's scary to talk about, um, and you're going to feel there, the, the potential to feel fear in that moment is real. Yeah. Here's the good news. Jesus is never nearer than in that moment. And the Holy Spirit gives us words to speak um, in those moments. And God can be trusted Amen. in those moments. He is faithful and he's a, he's a just creator. And so we can entrust ourselves to him while doing good. Amen. That's a great word. I think it was a great word this week for our people. And excited to finish First Peter in the next couple of weeks. We'll see you next week. If you want to find out more about City Life Church or have any questions about the kinds of things we talked about today, you can head over to citylifechurch.org and fill out a digital connect card. We'd love to reach out and stay in touch with you. Thanks for listening.